0: morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. We have charged batteries, we're uh, ready to go. <laughs> if you're joining with us for the first time or perhaps uh, the first time in a long time, we started a new series in prayer called Teach Us to Pray uh, last week. And so you're coming at a very, very good time. Uh, we looked at why we even pray uh, last week and this week we get into the prayer itself. Uh, my name is Young, I'm the lead pastor here at New Life, and it is my privilege to welcome you uh, this morning. And today, we're actually gonna be beginning with the model prayer uh, that we find in Matthew six. And the sermon title, as you can see on the screen, is very simply, Dad. So it should be pretty easy to remember. Uh, we're gonna be specifically, although Sam did the reading from verses nine to 13, we're gonna be looking specifically at verse nine verse B, And if you've ever wondered what those letters mean, it just means, you know, the second part of that verse. So the second phrase, you know, after the punctuation point. So let's read that part of the verse again together. It's very short. And then we'll spend a little bit of time, maybe 30 seconds, just meditating on that part. And then I'll pray for us. Okay. So the verse reads, Our Father in heaven. Why don't you just spend a few seconds just uh, meditating on that part? pray for us. Our Father in heaven, when we turn to you, Lord, and when we think about these words, these four short words, all sorts of thoughts and all sorts of word association happens in our minds and our hearts. Whether it be from our upbringing, whether it be from our time in church, whatever it might be, God. Would you help us to place these things aside that we might be able to hear from you, from the word that you've prepared, from the word that you have here in the book of Matthew? We wanna hear directly from you just as you wanna hear directly from us. And so we turn to you in prayer, we turn to you in the word, and we ask, Lord, that you would speak and that it will create new life in our hearts as well, God. Be with us throughout the rest of the service. Help us, Lord, to listen to you, and to really know you in our hearts, God, and to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we talked about last week, the prayer that the Lord Jesus teaches us, uh, teaches to his disciples, is a model prayer uh, for us to pray together. And so I think it's very appropriate that we come together uh, this morning and the next few mornings as well uh, to kind of read through the prayer itself and to do things together. By doing this together, it helps us to express unity together. It helps us to put our common desires to words as well. You know, it's sometimes uncommon to have desires that overlap. And so it's really good that we can come together to do this. And also, it helps us to see how God is already meeting the needs of us here at New Life. Let's look at the way the prayer starts. So it starts with our, our Father. This means that when we pray, we're being linked with all the other believers in the world. We're being linked together. He's our Father. We don't pray, my Father in heaven. We definitely don't pray your Father in heaven. That would be a very awkward prayer to pray. We don't even pray Jesus' is Father in heaven. We always pray our Father. We pray to our Father. He's ours. And I'll reiterate what we need to remember. This is a model for prayer, not necessarily the exact words that we need to pray. And so although it's good to memorize this prayer, you don't need to just repeat it you know, forever, for the rest of your life, you you can pray other things as well. But it's a great prayer to model yourself on. And as we did together at the end of last week's sermon, um, I personally love to pray this prayer in my own words. I find that it helps my faith to grow. I find it to be a great way to shape my prayer life as well. It's a great way to model your own prayers. And as we pray these words together, allow this now to change the way that you pray in private as well. However, for this to change the way that we pray in private, we need a change in our hearts as well, towards prayer and towards God himself. So the way we think about prayer can help us to understand the way we think about God. Have you thought about the way that you pray? Try to answer this question for yourself in your heart. Why does prayer work? Think about it. To you, why does prayer work? Why don't we pray? What is it about prayer? Is it about the specific words that we use? Like if we pray certain words that we know certain saints have written, is that going to make the prayer more effective? Is it about getting lots of people to pray the same thing? And so it's like a family of 200, we're all grabbing onto God and saying, you need to listen to us. No, prayer works because of the one that we pray to It's similar to how salvation works. It's by the object of our faith, the one that we have faith in. Not by the size of our faith itself, or by the things that are born out of this faith, but by Jesus, the one that we have faith in. And so too, prayer as well works because the one who listens to our prayer, the one who we pray to. So in order for things to happen, in order for the things that we pray about to actually happen, God needs to do it. It's very simple, right? It's the one that we pray to. Because of who God is, he's a king who reigns, prayer works. Heaven is God's throne, Matthew 5 tells us, and the earth is his footstool. Only a chapter behind, in Matthew 5, we learn this. And since God rules over all, Who sits on the throne? The king, since he rules over all, he can do it all. Whatever we pray. And you may be thinking, I already know this. Many of us know this already. If you follow Christ, if we follow Christ together, we know implicitly God is all powerful. He's supremely able. But that's not necessarily the part that most Christians have trouble with. Even if you don't yet follow God, even if you're here out of curiosity or someone drags you along, you know this about the one that we call God, that the Christians call God. Because surely no one will be foolish enough to worship a being that isn't all-powerful. What will be the point? So why does this matter? This matters to us because our prayers are to one who is not only all-powerful, but to one who is Father. He's the king who sits upon the throne, the one who listens to all of our prayers, he is our Father. And it's so crucial for us to have this balance in mind as we pray, as we think about God. Now what do you think the effect is of Jesus teaching his disciples to pray in this way? To address God as Father. As those who have grown up in a Hebrew culture, learning the Torah or the Jewish Bible, they're participating in the life of a Jewish person. They might have heard all sorts of analogies about how God is like a father. He's like a father in the way that he conducts himself. He's like a father in the way that he loves us. But never something like this. Jesus is the first to address God as Abba, Father, this word that's a perfect mixture of respect, of intimacy. And even more bewildering, Jesus teaches them, do as I do. So in teaching them to pray in this way, with a direct address of God as Father, Jesus invites them, and consequently us as well, into this relationship shaped by God's nearness, and his love. There's a problem. So last week I mentioned this as well. For many of us, the word father has a lot of baggage attached. Let's face this head on. The word father, it might cause all sorts of feelings. Disappointment, heartache, anger, abandonment, loss, all sorts of feelings to well up in our hearts when we confront that word. Honestly, it hurts me to know that the brokenness of man can muddy the waters of faith. Hopefully, through this sermon, you'll allow me, you'll allow the sermon as well, and you'll allow this prayer to not invalidate your experiences or what's happened in your life, that causes you to feel this way. I do ask that you, however, allow for there to be, I guess, a cleaning out of your heart today so that the work of renovation in it can begin. As you find your heart renovated, you can have grace renewed in it as well as you look upon our Father in heaven. Now, when I think about the word Father, You know, I thought about this for a little while in preparation for this sermon. One reason I think that we struggle when we hear the word Father is because we tend to make images. We tend to be image makers here on this earth. We're not very good at abstract thinking, even the best of us. I think when we try to think abstractly about something that exists outside of what we're able to imagine, we tend to try to put an earthly counterpart to it you know what I mean by this? So that our minds can handle these things, so we can conceptualize them. What does it mean that God is spirit? Like we don't really, how do we do that? Because of this, we paint our God with images of earthly fathers, of our earthly fathers, or other earthly fathers or father figures, for better or worse. There's good news. If you were here with us a few weeks ago on Palm Sunday, you saw how God took even the misguided expectations that people had about the Messiah. He took all that into account in his plan of salvation. And this is the same God that listens to our prayers, that knows our hearts when it comes to our fathers. Knowing that we seek out images, God sent the perfect image bearer in our midst, in his son Jesus. Look with me at John chapter 14, verses nine to 11. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. We love Jesus. This is pretty obvious, right? We love Jesus. As followers of Christ, this is a bit of a prerequisite. We love his love for us. Everything about us is based around him, around Jesus. But this word Father this idea, this relationship. We have all sorts of warring thoughts in our minds and our hearts when it comes to Father. But in coming to us, Jesus is the revelation of God in the world. And in calling us to follow him and to pray in this way, he invites us into his understanding of Father. He doesn't just meet us where we're at. He doesn't just listen to what we're saying about our earthly fathers and how we imagine that word. He tells us, here's how I see my father. Come and see my father in the same way. He wants to take our understanding of father and make it right again, to replace our misguided thoughts when it comes to this word with his thoughts and end his relationship with him as well. And Jesus tells us, this father is just like me. He's just as gracious, he's just as kind, It's just as gentle and approachable. Have you ever met someone's parents before and you can really see that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? You can really see, okay, someone did some copy and paste here. Like, this guy is exactly the same. Right, yeah. Like their personalities are so similar. How much more then for Jesus and the Father? because this is not mere child rearing. This is a triune God, three in one. In Jesus' words, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The Father who lives in me does his works. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. When Jesus opens his arms wide upon the cross, we can actually see the Father's open arms as well welcoming us us home. The Father is grace, the Father is sacrifice, and he's love. Unless we choose to blind ourselves, we can't possibly love Jesus without loving the Father. In the passage in John, Jesus seems pretty dismayed, doesn't he? Excuse me a moment, I'm gonna have some more water. Look with me at the passage in John. He's talking to Philip, he seems a little bit dismayed at his spiritual blindness. Philip has been walking alongside Jesus and yet he doesn't seem to truly see who Jesus is. If you don't see who Jesus truly is, then you can't see who the Father is either. What happens when Jesus invites us in? We get brought into the family home, we get asked, hey, do you see the resemblance between us? Can you now see that Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in him? There's complete unity. John 10, 30 says it like this. I and the Father are one. Pardon me. Elsewhere in John, Jesus says it more plainly. They're one. Today's sermon, it's not going to be an exhaustive teaching on the Trinity. But the Father and the Son are one in essence. They're one in action. They're distinct in role, though the important point to take away today is that Jesus reveals the Father to us through his unity with him. When we can't understand what the Father is doing, we can trust in Jesus' heart because we know that he loves us. We can trust in God the Father's character because we know he's good. In order for us to truly get this, Jesus breathes his Holy Spirit into us that our hearts might be recreated, made new in his image, that we can cry out like he does, Abba, Father. We read in various parts of scripture, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We're brought into this perfect unity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we're not only carriers of this truth, we're not only messengers and ambassadors. As we prayed together in the pre-service prayer, we're also sons who enjoy the relationship that Jesus does with his Father. When we pray, this is the God that we pray to. He's the one who's personal, listening attentively to us as we pour out our hearts. He patiently understands us even when we can't understand our own hearts. Prayer works because God is our Father who listens. He's loving and kind. He's caring for every need. He's not the domineering abandoning, prideful father that we might have come to experience, that we might have come to expect from our experience with the broken men that have shaped that word in our lives. He's the true father, the one who defines fatherhood. And he calls you to join him, not only before the throne from which he reigns, but also at the dinner table where we enjoy fellowship with him where we break bread together and feast with him. This is the kind of father he is. He's with you in every moment, walking with you, guiding you, answering you in tenderness, even before you ask. Now at this point, most of you are on board, but some of you might be wondering, what's the big deal? He's father, I get it. In our time now, here in Australia, in 2021, I think we stand at an interesting point in history. There is a high enough incidence of divorce in our world that many of us don't really know what dad looks like. Some of us have fathers who have tried their best to provide for us, but in doing so, they've been absent for large portions of our lives. A lot of us might have the word father just tarnished by different memories. And then there might be the lucky few who have fathers who display the gospel of grace in their lives, turning back to Jesus in confession, repentance, whenever sin does rise up. And hopefully that is the experience that you have as he's discipled you. But whatever the case today, many of us struggle to comprehend what kind of privilege we actually enjoy when we address God as Father. This is the king of the universe. He is sovereign. He is the one who created all things out of nothing. This day in history, I dare to say, a lot of us have lost that heritage and the culture that existed at this time when Jesus was teaching the disciples. That tells us just how mind-blowing it is that we call God our Father. Do we truly understand what God's capable of? A Bit of a story from when I was growing up. I remember when I was growing up, I was really obsessed with professional wrestling, if you can believe it. And, you know, what do kids do? We watch stuff on TV, and then we imitate it. You know, like maybe you have kids around you that imitate superheroes now, right? But I want to try these different moves that these pro-wrestlers are doing. And I'm an only child, so I didn't have a little brother to pick on. And so I'd be like, Dad, let me try this move on you and see if it works. And he'd indulge me. And I'd always know, I'd be a little bit annoyed when he was just pretending that it hurt. And I'd know when it really hurt. It's kind of, you know, weird, right? I'd tell him to be real. And one time, I think I was feeling really strong in wrestling with my dad. I did something to him and then he was like, you know, in pain. And I told him, hey, you try some moves on me now and I'm gonna try to get out of them and reverse them. You know, cause I'd seen all this chain wrestling and stuff, right? I told him, don't hold back. What's he gonna do, you know? He's a grown man. He said, no. And I kept insisting, oh, dad, you have to do it, trust me. I know what to do. And he'd look at me and he'd be like, I would literally kill you if I did some of these moves. (laughs) Like, you'd just snap in half. But I kept goading him. I kept just prodding him, pushing him. Finally, he relents. He doesn't do a move on me. He just takes two fingers, takes a part of my leg, and just squeezes slightly. I feel like I was going to black out in that moment, you know? I'm like, oh, he's so much stronger than me. A child. This grown man is much stronger than a child have we convinced ourselves as well, without even realizing it, that our God is not the transcendent, all-powerful God that He is? When we think about God, when we call Him Father, do we forget that He is Lord? Do we forget that He's sovereign? Scripture tells us He is the blessed and only sovereign the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal power, amen. When we pray our Father in heaven, man, that second part, in heaven, it balances that phrase out perfectly. Our Father, Just that intimacy, that nearness of our God. And then in heaven, the sovereignty, the majestic power that he wields. Prayer is effective because he is God of heaven and earth. If we call him Father and yet we lose sight of the fact that this is the God who not only sustains your life, but also puts breath in the lungs of everyone here and everyone on earth, then we would functionally believe in a powerless God. Prayer is effective because God of heaven and earth is our father. If we call him Lord, and we lose sight of the fact that this is our father, that we can run to, that we can let our needs be known to, then we'd be praying without truly believing that he is listening or that he even cares when we say these four short words, our Father in heaven. Let us neither be clouded by the baggage that we bring to these words. Let's not be ignorant though about the weight and glory that each of these words carries. One of my favorite things about this prayer as a model prayer is that there's such a strong emphasis on God's nearness and love for us. Even when we call him Father in heaven, we're reminded, although the dwelling place of God, yes, is an unapproachable light, is in heaven, the dwelling place of God in other parts of scripture, we're reminded, is also here, in our midst, in our hearts, our minds, our bodies, his living temple. As you call him Father, allow grace to be renewed in your heart. Is even the fact that we can be close enough to him that we can call him father. That means that we've received the promise of salvation. Jesus teaches us to pray in this way. He invites us into the relationship that he enjoys as a son to the father. And as we enter into his family, how do we enter into his family? Only by way of the son's substitution. He takes our place so that we can take his and we receive this gift of grace by faith in what he did. And this model prayer is a prayer of God's children. Not everyone can just pray this prayer. It's similar to the Lord's communion, right? It's a prayer of his children. Why is there such an emphasis on the relationship between us and the Father? Because we have trouble truly believing that God really is our Father and we really are his children. Once we believe this, once we truly know in our hearts, we're gonna begin to scratch the surface of God's love for us. We'll be able to boldly approach his throne in prayer just as beloved children can approach the loving fathers. You should pray like this, Jesus tells us, and we should take it to heart. If you're a follower of Christ, get to know our dear Father in prayer like this. I encourage you today, as we finish up our sermon, to pray just the first line of this model prayer, our Father in heaven. I won't actually end us in prayer, I'll allow you to actually pray this yourself from your seats, allow it to resonate in your heart. Tell him what these words mean to you as well, what your experience has been with your Father And then ask him to teach you truly what this word means. Let's take some time to pray.